Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Hey there, Hill folk, and welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Intelligence. We are extremely, extremely thankful that y'all could join us again for another week, for another edition of AI. With you tonight, your hosts, you got the tripod, you got the tripod here tonight. You got Justin, Ryan, and Lance. Ryan, Lance, how you boys doing? Fantastic. Well, I'm here, so the tripod's short on one side. (laughs) (laughs) I knew we wouldn't make it very far without getting some kind of joke in. Well, I had a dick joke at the ready, but... I actually regretted the very second I said tripod. <laughs> I knew you did. I could see it in your face. Like, ah, terrible choice of words. I'm going to smile through it. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute, fellas. Uh, Hill folk, you got you to gotta look over us. Again, I mean, we told y'all it was going to be a little more inconsistent and sporadic. We've had a whole lot going on. Like always, but we're not going to whine and complain and make excuses. We're just going to get along with the episode here. Y'all don't need to to dwell and wallow in our self-pity as we get it going here. <laughs> we're going to do like we always do. We are going to read a couple five-star reviews. Y'all know when we get them, we like to share them, shout them out, show the love when we get love. So. We got three pretty short ones, so we'll share three of them today. First one comes from Behemoth77. says five stars. Yep, good stuff. I listen on one and a half speed. It helps my brain from wandering. All I can say is this is the podcast you're looking for. Waves hand annoyingly in face. So. Behemoth seven seven, you old Jedi, you pulling them tricks. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate the five star review. This is the podcast you're looking for. <laughs> the next one comes with Walks with Walkers. It says five stars, good times. I live in Morgan County, Ohio, the foothills of Appalachia. 
We are home to a famed haunted opera house. Keep them coming, fellas. Walks with Walkers, we appreciate that five-star review. And we'll have to look into this haunted opera house a little bit. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. The next one comes from Blackwater Shot. Says five stars. Great show. I come across the show by listening to Coon Hunt and Confidentials. Shout out to our Coon Hunt boys down there in South Carolina. I'm glad I did. Everything that I've listened to so far has been very interesting and entertaining. So thank you very much for those five-star reviews. Blackwater Shot. We really, really appreciate that. And we appreciate all these five-star reviews. Y'all keep them coming. It helps us out tremendously. Y'all know that. Uh, I guess we didn't go through the business, but y'all know where to find us. All the socials, all the places. They're, they're in the show notes. We talk about it every episode. Y'all know where to find us. Also, you got to look over the audio on my end a little bit. Um, I started up my computer getting ready to record, and it was trying to restart and update and Ain't nobody got time for all that. So I just went to my phone. And I also think that I got strep right now, so my voice may be a little wonky. So look over that as well, please. But let's get on into this thing, man. Let's get on into it. So Ryan's been looking and digging into something that we're not going to talk about tonight because he's still working on it, but it's super interesting. So y'all be ready for that when it comes out. And... If I can, I'm going to try to set time aside this weekend, but I'm saying I'm going to do kind of like I did with the, the Roswell episode I did. So okay. this time it's 100%, 1000%, just what I can find in news articles and newspaper clippings about this. But it's, I cannot believe we've never heard of this, but it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And I'm excited for it because it falls in line with a whole lot of the stuff that I've been researching right now, too. So that's going to be pretty interesting. That'll be a pretty interesting episode. But Lance, Lance has had some weird going on here recently. Lance, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So we spent last weekend. Uh, it's Moxie's birthday, so we kind of did a few little special things for her. We ended up at Dollywood on Tuesday and on our way back home from Dollywood, uh, just across the Scott County slash Lee County border, headed northbound on US 23. Um, coming outside of Gate City, <clears throat> we're driving, it's about six o'clock, so there's quite a bit of traffic. And uh, my non believing speculative wife um, hits me in the shoulder. And says, look at that up there in the sky. It's it's glowing. And I was just trying to look and drive and pass people and not wreck and all the things that were going on. So I was just kind of halfway looking. But she was like in. And there was a craft that looked to be flying vertical. Um, and the chemtrails or the air, I guess, whatever they call that, coming off the back of what would normally be like a jet, you know, you see a little cloud or whatever it leaves behind was it appeared, of course, you know, Earth's not flat, it's round, so, but it appeared it was flying straight up in the air. Um, and in her words, it was glowing. And then as we continued to watch it, um, 
as we were driving and trees kind of get in the way and all different things. She says, it's not glowing anymore. And it, it, it didn't look like it was. Now, it was, you know, 5.36 p.m. So the sun is, you know, setting, especially now uh, with daylight savings time. But it was a really strange looking uh, trail that it left. Um, as a matter of fact, I sent the boys this picture. And I'll bring it up and show it on camera as well so you all can see it. Yeah, we can post them too. Of what she took. I'll try to zoom in. Oddly arousing. It's probably not going to be able to because it's of the way. It's a white screen, buddy. Yeah, it's because of the way the sun was hitting. Oh. Right, there it goes. There it is. Yep. So looks that like was, the eye, looks like the eye of Sauron. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. <laughs> Holy um, crap, it does. And you can kind of see the camera's going crazy. Um, you can kind of see there. I can get it bring there, guys. See what happened. One more look. At the very top of that is where the craft was that was glowing and it was not. Um, which, you know, is not super like crazy, right? We see stuff like that. Not a lot, but the verticalness of it was strange for one. The fact that it was glowing and it didn't have like the regular like red and green lights on the wings you see like airplanes. Is it red and green? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Just typical that you would see like a jet. It didn't have those because it could have. We just couldn't see it because of the sun. But it, as we were watching it, um, what appeared to be a drone um, just kind of appeared out of nowhere. And it flew directly vertical above it. And Heidi was like, is that a drone? And I was like, yeah, I don't really know. And then, boom, it was just gone. Like, there was no more drone. Um, just like out of thin air, it just vanished. And then so we drove, you know, another, you know, probably 300 yards past the tree so we could see it again. And it was just gone. That whole, like, the chemtrail was, like, the, the cloud-looking thing was gone. The... Everything was it was just gone, um, and then off in the horizon was an, a jet. I could definitely tell it was a big jet flying. You could see it coming across, you know, horizontally, leaving the path that does like jets always do, and had been there. You could tell been in the sky for a long time, and what we saw looked nothing like that jet. Um, now I'm not saying it was a UFO. I don't have any idea, but she was the one that, that spotted it, and she she was like she was kind of talking through what she was seeing as I was trying to stay on the road and look at the same time. Um, and she, her exact version, it was, it was, it's glowing. Now it's not glowing anymore, which, which is strange. Right. But again, could have been the way the sun was hitting it, but this would have been, by the way, the crow flies probably not even 10 or 15 miles from all the supposed military base or whatever down in Lee County. Like it was really close to that. Um if by the way, in driving on the road probably would take us no more than twenty minutes to get to that same area where Scooter saw stuff and that we've have had reports of seeing things as well. Um so I don't know, it was interesting. Um maybe maybe that drone disappeared into the vagina portal. It d- did kind of look like a, a giant portal. It did kind of look like that. Well, this it was this picture and our conversation the other day that actually made me realize, holy shit, 
vaginas are portals. Yeah. Like we literally pass through them to come into the world. And then that vagina portal in the sky and the drone went into it. Yeah, the drone was like that. The whole drone event was like less than five seconds. Like you watch it like up and then it was just like gone all at once. Um, There was no sign of it anywhere. And for somebody to be, let's say somebody was flying a drone, right? I've flown drones and they can go pretty high. Um, But you're only allowed to go so high. Yeah, but you can, you can, you can, you can jailbreak them and and to make them go as high as you want. You know, it's they're pretty easy, easily jailbroken to make them kind of supersede the limits they're supposed to be at. But like, if somebody was flying it from the ground, I feel like we would have seen it for a longer period of time than what we did. You know, I'm saying somebody was just shooting making its way up. Yeah, I think we would have seen it. You know, quick. Of course, we weren't looking either, but. Just the fact it was there and it was, it looked kind of round, like, you know, all drones comes in all different shapes and sizes, but it reminded me of a drone. And, but the fact that it was just, it just gone. It was very, very visible, very clear. Yeah. You could see both things flying and then that thing was just gone. I don't know. It was weird. And you got to figure the distance you guys are looking at it too. It's got to be bigger than a drone. That's what, 30,000 feet in the air. It's correct, right? If that's, you know, if you're the, the, if that was a jet we were seeing that looked like it was flying up, you know, it's, yeah. you know, your eyes can play you know, illusions on you all the time, but it was, it would have been way up there. Well, I mean, even if it wasn't a jet and it was just something at that altitude. I mean, that's normally where we see chemtrails from jets. So, correct. you know, they're 30, 40,000 feet, you know, in the air. And then so, the fact that it was, it disappeared and then the, even the, even the chemtrail, even it was gone. Like, how they pop the pop the the sunroof? She slid the thing back because it was kind of behind us to try to see it. And she's like, "It's it's I can't even see the trail. It's gone. No trail, no nothing." That's crazy. So I don't know. We you know that's. I usually see. I have seen more UAPs. Actually, she has spotted more UAPs. Let's <laughs> <laughs> going places than than uh. Still the non-believer. Still the non-believer. <laughs> she's seeing more UFOs than anybody. Yeah, she's she is. So it was, it was, it was, an, it was, it was weird, right? I, I don't know what it was. Like you know, we've got stuff flying around. We don't know what it is, sure, but it was definitely a strange minute and a half, whatever it was that we kind of kind of followed it. And that what the the strangest part for me was. One, when I saw it, it looked weird, but I could explain it away as being a jet, sure. But when, you know, after jets fly by, the chemtrails are there for a long, 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 long time, right? I mean, yeah, normally that's how you trace them down in the sky. Yeah, know? exactly. And then we could see the other actual jet that we saw. We saw we could see the chemtrail for as long as, as far as we could see. You could see it. And yeah. that was, it was not there anymore. It was gone. No, we don't realize how many miles that is. Of those chemtrails, because you figure thirty thousand feet up, and then you're looking how far over? Oh yeah, no, it's you crazy. Could, from our mountains, you could be looking, you know, Kentucky down to Tennessee, seeing these things flying, or they could be over those areas, you know. Yeah, it was it was weird, that's for sure. And for it to just disappear, that is that's nuts. Well, what's crazy is, is the day after Lance sent us those pictures. And was telling us a little bit about it. I saw an article pop up 
somewhere while I was, I was on break at work and I was scrolling through whatever. I don't even know what it was, but I seen a, a news article from central Kentucky where a lot of the residents and, and I don't remember exactly where I just remember that it was central Kentucky, but a lot of the residents there had reported and taken pictures of the exact same thing is the exact same picture that Lance took. And there was, you know, one of these professors or whatever that come on and was trying to explain in the way, which made absolutely zero sense. Cause at the first he was talking about fireballs, you know, being a meteor or whatever, but that would move way too fast in the sky. And these people were talking about how it was just suspended there, you know, kind of like Lance is talking about. Also, let it be going weird. down, not up. Yeah, right. And you know what's crazy, Lance, is I did I seen the same thing as you, but not in that the chemtrail in that shape. But when I was going to work at lunch the other day, it's been one day this week. But you know, you know, I got to go up here towards Poplar Gap Park and all that, or Southern Gap as they call it now. It's got all fancy up on the mountain. Up on the mountain here. But, uh, you know, I'm going, I got a pretty good view from that way. And I seen one over there look like it was going straight up. Now, fast forward, what day was it? It was before you showed us these pictures. I seen one the other. I can't remember when I seen this, but it looked like it was going down, like the way the chemtrail was going. Hmm. But it's the same, it looked the same thing. It looked vertical. But you could tell it was going down rather than up. And my thing too, to like at. that picture, and it's you know it, it's hard to see. Um, but it, there's almost like there's two of them, right? It's almost like there's two columns of chemtrails going up, and jets don't do that, right? It's just one. Yeah, it's just one, one steady stream that breaks. You know, kind of gets wider. Even even as it it gets wider, it's still you can tell the uniformity of it being one solid trail. This was definitely two like columns. It looked like. Um, on the chemtrail that was as it was increasing it was weird it's crazy yeah that's definitely weird man that's a good catch by hay though yeah we're we're, a, we're slowly make we're her slowly reeling her in here into the weird we're like we're like a disease and the symptoms spreading that's right <laughs> the ai virus family members are catching it first that's right it's contagious you know what happens when AI breaks out and spreads (laughs) takes over the world everybody has an STD (laughs) don't worry about that bump on your lip baby I mean, I mean, everybody's gonna be scared to death. Not yeah, transmitted. Disease. Scared to death. That's what STD means. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Whole, Don't worry about that bump on your lip. No reason to be scared. Podcast. <laughs> Cummins and his wife do it. It's STD. Scared to death. I mean, come on. Brilliant people. Well, all right, guys. So I could scream. Why are you going? I thought scream? I was. Uh, I thought I was on mute. <laughs> No, they let Deontay Foreman run a touchdown and throw it to DJ Moore. Stupid. Oh, bears. way to go. Chicago to can go. go to hell. Go to hell, Chicago. <laughs> it's the whole city. <laughs> so 
all of our Chicago, to all of our Chicago <laughs> listeners, we don't mean you. We need to bring Justin Fields back. He needs to throw it to DJ. <laughs> Justin Fields, he's not you. the answer. Oh no. no. He still puts up points. That's all I need. All of Lance's OH quarterbacks that come out just don't add up, except the one I tried telling y'all about. CJ Stroud. My boy CJ Stroud, who unfortunately is with the Texans now and lightening <laughs> up, making people like Nico Collins and Tank Dale look like Marvin Harrison and Calvin Johnson. Tank Dale's on the waiver wire. I'm debating. I'm going to give him one more game, and if he does it again, getting him. Pick him up, dude. Pick him up. I'm telling you. CJ is him. I think that's what I think that's what all the cool kids say now. <laughs> I'm here. Right. I'm him. So I've been doing a little reading in this uh this awesome book. That listener Katie sent to us a few months ago. Yep, there it is. So, if you would, Ryan, in your uh, textbook in the land of the Catawampus, the complete exploration of West Virginia's elusive, ghostly, and fanciful beasts, turn with me to page. Turn, you guys, turn with me to page three hundred and twenty-five, please. We found it. Way to go, Lance. What page did the teacher say, Lance? I wasn't paying attention. 325. Listen, boys, that is a daily occurrence. And (laughs) the only only teacher here has no idea where his textbook is. Are we going over? We don't use textbooks anymore, boys. Yeah, it's all digital. We're we're advanced around here. Textbooks. Listen to this dinosaur. I actually had a student ask me for a textbook the other day. She said, hey, do you have a textbook I can use um, to answer some of these questions to kind of help me? And I like, I, I kind of like looked at it like, what? Like, you want a textbook? She's like, yeah. I was like, why do you want a textbook? Just Google it. You She's understand like, oh, just this just, internet, right? She's like, I just wanted to use it. All right, yeah, sure. Let me go try to dig one out of the closet somewhere. I don't know where they're at. I don't know. Let me call my buddy Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I was doing a little reading in this thing, and I come across this, and I thought it was really, really interesting. But it's something that's called, and first off, this book is written by a lady named Kristen Puckett. It's a fantastic book. Um, Y'all can find it on Amazon. Again, it's called In the Land of Catawampus. It's a fantastic book. It's got all kinds of different cryptids and paranormal entities and like a bunch of hauntings. It's like an entire weird list of our just to the north sister state of West Virginia. But it's got all kinds of weird stuff in it. But I was doing a little reading in it earlier today. And I come across this thing called an idola. Now, I'd never heard of an idola before reading it in this book. Some of you out there listening, maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you can educate me a little more on it. But an idola, according to the author here, Kristen Puckett, 
is a powerful entity that pretends to be a group of real or imaginary deceased sentient beings and or causes a variety of strange occurrences. An idola alters its territory to include a diverse collection of hallucinations, which increase in number and complexity with age. Its shape changes over time. Idola's main purpose is to attract other paranormal entities. The number of entities under its authority increases its territory, power, abilities, and knowledge. Idolas can see through the eyes of any paranormal entity in its territory and may aid them in their efforts. Each idola has a preferred method of haunting and tries to influence entities under it to take on this strategy. An idola only needs to consume emotional responses once a month to sustain power. However, if the extent of its territory exudes the number of entities it influences, it will begin to weaken. An idola dies when no entities are in its territory for a prolonged time. Idolas sometimes settle next to one another, reaching out to entities under another's control. They do not move once settled. Idolas do not physically harm beings, but do not object to the presence of entities that do. Like most paranormal entities, they are attracted to sites of death, misfortune, or violence. Idolas typically have a form they use to represent themselves from time to time. They are equal to and sometimes greater than demons. So, I thought that was really, really interesting. First off, for this lady to have this knowledge of this thing that I've never even heard of before. But, what does that kind of sound like to you boys? Idola? Like the top, that sounds like the main paranormal creature in that territory. Like, I think it's, are you going with Bigfoot on this? Well, no, not necessarily. I'm going with maybe not Adola's, an old god. Idola sounds like idol, thought born to be worshipped. Right. I'm not going to necessarily. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying, "Oh God," but maybe a minion of, like a, like a hierarchy kind of thing. You know, like principalities, territorial spirits. Well, if it you dies, know, for that, sure, not an old god. Do what I said. If it dies, for sure, not an old god. Well, but maybe. We talk on here all the time about what do these things need to to prosper, to be able to manifest, to be able to work and do maybe not death, death per se, as in the way we think of death, you know, as a, a physical death. But if they can't operate, if they can't manifest themselves, if they can't, wouldn't that be a form of, of death if nobody believes? I guess so. If they're not feeding off of emotion, off of this energy. I mean, Greater to me, it sounds a lot demons. like. Yeah. Sometimes they are equal to and sometimes greater than demons. But what I think is interesting here is. It says. 
they do not physically harm anybody, but they don't object to the presence, you know, people in the, uh, or other entities in, in their territory under their control. They don't object to them physically harming people. So it's almost like they're indifferent, like they don't care. To me, the way, the way I'm thinking about this is it's almost like a, like a territorial spirit that, you know, you look at it like a hierarchy, their, their royalty, but they allow their, their lords and dukes and knights to do pretty much whatever they want to do as long as they're getting fed. It sounds pretty wild. It sounds like to me, like you could describe it as, or it sounds very similar to, I guess, the idea of a chaos dragon that we see in scripture a lot. Well, you see territorial spirits talked about in Scripture. Right. And you see these principalities talked about in Scripture to where you have, you know, like the Prince of Persia, for instance. You know, when Daniel prays and and Gabriel, you know, the messenger of the Lord comes down, has to deliver this message and tells him, I've been I've been battling this Prince of Persia for whatever, what, 21 days or something like that. Well, we know that's not a man. I mean. No man is going to stand a chance with Gabriel, the sword of the Lord, for 21 days. So we're talking about some kind of principality here. We're talking about some kind of of dark entity that had this stronghold, this dominion over this area. And then I think it, I think it even says in the book of Daniel that Gabriel says that he had to call on Michael to come and help him defeat this prince of persia hmm. so that's kind of what it reminds me of is, are, are these like these principalities over these certain areas and then the author here Kristen, she goes on and talks about a lot of these different idolas throughout parts of west virginia but I want to focus and key in on one in particular. Poli, the Bluefield Idola. If the class could turn with me to page 360. Almost. Was Ryan's done more flipping in the book right now than he has in his entire <laughs> educational career? Since, since school, man. Like... <laughs> I read digital books and audio books. I don't That's exactly right. <laughs> but what I like about what what I like about what she's done here is you know she explains what an idola is and then she gives all of these different regions and then she goes on to give all of these different accounts of these regions. So I picked Bluefield just because it's the closest one to us. Right. I mean, Bluefield is, is it's a border town. You know, it's right yeah. on it. There's actually a Bluefield, Virginia and a Bluefield, West Virginia. I mean, it's it's right there. Um, But this one she's describing. She's calling Poli the Bluefield Idola. 
It says, active since the mid-19th century, Poli continuously moved his corps, picking no permanent central point within his territory until a tragedy struck. On January the 21st, 1980, a plane landing on runway 23 was met with horrible weather and surface conditions, namely slushy snow. Overrunning the runway, the craft jumped over a steep forested hill and burst into flames, killing the two crew members and the three passengers on board. After, the Idola set its main hub of activity at the Mercer County Airport. Phantoms and ghosts taking the guises of the dead may be viewed near the hill, but in the airport, Poli offers a more unusual experience. When the Idola is active after dark, those within the airport begin developing cold chills and may see their breath before them, even though temperature readings do not change. Poli takes on a semi-tangible form, banging within the walls, pipes, and under the floor. Yellow slitted eyes peep from these locations, though. When viewers turn to look, they vanish. Feelings of paranoia, glimpses of monstrous parts, and the sensation of being watched lasts until sunrise when Poli ceases activity. This idola gains power by causing discomfort and fear. Though he is predominantly active at the airport, the idola has been known to conjure minor illusions, such as the Ramsey School, where doors open and close in a frenzy and disembodied voices can be heard, the Mercer County Courthouse, where whispers and laughs can be heard from the walls and under the floor, and the dead forms of Civil War soldiers, prisoners, lawyers, and judges spotted in the dark, or in Beaver High School, where ghostly bats with human faces appear and chatter in the gym and assist entities elsewhere. So the way that she's describing this thing, it's like it just moved around. This, this, this entity, this idola, this poly, just kind of moved around from place to place until this tragedy of this this plane crash at the airport. I think that is the most fascinating part of this story to me is the fact that Bluefield has an airport. They <laughs> know they have it's an not, airport. It's not a big one. Yeah, well, it couldn't be. <laughs> It's almost like the airport around Lance's house. Yeah. It's not a very big one. <laughs> too, we land too narrow to land a land, large drone. They, they <laughs> land drone and those old school remote control airplanes that people used to fly or still do, I guess. A lot of people are into that. But yeah, I just think it's I mean, I think it's really like first off, I would love to know I I'm going to have to contact Kristen Puckett because I really want to pick her brain and find out where all this information is coming from. I know early on she talks about how she's done so many interviews with a bunch of the locals and like done a massive amount of research into a lot of this stuff. But I would really like to pick her brain to understand like where all this information, because that's pretty specific stuff. Like, her saying, hey, this one idola, this this one entity, this territorial spirit, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, it just moved around from place to place and never really settled until this tragedy struck. And then it just set up shop right here. Here, here's something else I want to know. Who named these things? Who discovered what they need to survive? How they act? Well, I've done a little bit of research, and I believe that that the term idola is actually idolon. It comes from the Greek. And the Greeks had this idea of the same kind of thing, of this entity that would disguise itself as deceased family members, as the dead, or sometimes the living, almost like a doppelganger situation. But it was almost like the way the Greeks talked about it was it, it was the same kind of way that she's describing here. It was this entity that, you know, gained all this, this momentum from emotion, from energy, from these different events that would happen that would sway the collective consciousness one way or the other, you know, negative or positive. It didn't really matter. Like it would just feed off of all of this stuff. And then in turn, it would project, you know, sometimes hallucinations, other times like, you know, real entities doing different things. Like, it's really, really interesting. I didn't dive super, super deep into it. I just wanted to see where this word comes from. You know, like, what does it mean? How far back does it go? But, you know, again, I think it's, a lot of the same things we talk about, just different verbiage. Yeah. I mean, no, I've, I'd never heard of the term idola, but we talk on here all the time about certain entities holding power over certain areas. Yeah. That's how the natives believed. That's how people that wrote the Bible, that's how they believed. I mean, I'll, Ancient severe the Incans, mines, there's sun gods, there's rain look gods. At the, there's... Look at the gods and goddesses of all ancient cultures. Yeah. They all had they all had temples erected in their territory, in their places that they occupied. Yeah. Like they literally thought that they and probably were were contacting and communicating and, and in the presence of their gods and goddesses in these temples. So, I mean, it's stuff that we talk about all the time. It's just a different twist and a different verbiage. And I don't know if this is more, I don't know. I don't know exactly where the information's coming from, but it's really interesting. That's what I'm getting at. One of these, I was thinking about that today. You know, welding, you know, you're just, it's just you. <laughs> so you got a lot of time to think and have conversations in your own head. And I was sitting there, I was actually, it was today. We did so much welding. But uh, sitting there thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. We hear all these people talking about all these things. That, you know, we talk about on the podcast and there's 
Bigfoot as experts and ghost experts. Not they could call themselves whatever the hell they want. <laughs> Nobody's an expert in any of this shit. No, yeah, we might, absolutely. It not. may not even be the word ghost. May not even be right. Ghosts might be pissed off because we're calling them that. You know, <laughs> I don't know. And it's well, she. I mean, she even has like in this book, she has so many different variations of just ghosts. Yeah, like she has ghosts, she has haunts, she has phantoms, she has specters, she has, and each of them are something completely different. Yeah. Like phantasms, like I, I, it, me personally, and we've been in this for a while now. Like we, I feel like we're pretty educated in the world of the paranormal. But like <laughs> I would think of phantom and phantasm and ghost and spectre all being the same thing. But no, she breaks them all down like totally, completely different things. Phantasm is what happens when the phantoms get the girl, right? <laughs> I, was, I was waiting on that. Yeah. I was waiting on that. Oh, gosh. Jizz joke coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> there was two. Oh man. Oh. I don't know. It's just, it's really, really interesting stuff. Like and then she she goes on to talk about uh like a few different hauntings and things that are like in this Bluefield area where that that's kind of under the control of of Poli, the Idola. Um it says a poltergeist tied to a home on Aiden Street. This entity ensures that newcomers don't stay for long. She initiates a haunt the moment people move in, not ceasing until the premise is empty once more. Beginning by knocking from within the walls, the entity increases her volatility over time, making disembodied noises, throwing, breaking objects, prodding, scratching, pushing, biting, choking, climaxing with death after six months. Holy crap. Wait a minute. So, she had a phantasm with death? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I didn't think that was safe. I guess you're already I, dead. I, I also immediately regretted as soon as I said climaxing. <laughs> I'm a though none have though none have described her appearance in detail, those who have seen her report that she resembles a woman wearing a oh snap. Though none have described her in detail, those who have seen her report that she resembles a woman wearing a dirty, tattered white dress. Her skin is pale and black hair covers her eyes. She wears no shoes. The thud of her steps, very distinct and soft. The entity's binding token is suspected to be under the home. So we have another woman in white appearance here. Yep. Getting it on with death. Yeah. Could be Lilith. Well, 
if she's climaxing with death, it sounds a lot like Lilith to me. Lilith likes to climax. Oh, Lilith is a dirty whore, and she loves it. She yeah. would definitely have several phantasms with death. Dude, what in the world? I think she's mad because we're on to her. No, that was that's weird, man. Like <laughs> literally, as soon as soon uh, as you said, you just talked about the token is under the house, and you seen her outside your house wandering around. You need to get under your house, bro. Well, somebody told me to dig around a certain tree that was here. But we're going to, what I'm talking about right now, what's really weird is when you said that, there's no, like, I'm in my bedroom right now. There's no smell at all of anything. And as soon as you said that, dude, there was like this terrible, terrible smell of like sulfur. sex and shame. And then it was just gone. Hmm. That's weird, dude. I should have prayed <laughs> over this. I should have read in advance and prayed over this. Way to go, Justin. Let him in. No, that was weird, man. As soon as you said that, like that smell just hit me full force. Like I know you see me look around and like start. And it, now it's gone. It's completely gone. Like nothing. Maybe you just gone nose blind. No. It? That was weird. <laughs> well, I know what I'm gonna be doing after this. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh we'll skip a few. Let's see. I like this one. It says a strange Kelpie reminiscent of a gargoyle. This entity is described as a sodden frog with green skin, beady black eyes, fangs, and pointed ears shaped like gloves, which clench with movement. Its body and legs are like a bulldog's, but its toes are webbed, turning inward throughout its gait. The being only appears at night along the roadside after a rain or near sources of water. It walks on four legs, though when a car nears, it stands up on two and claws at the air with long, vicious nails. If approached, the Kelpie runs away, disappearing into deep water or into thin air if cornered. It may hiss, bare fangs, and smell the air with a long, snake-like tongue. If followed into the water, the trespasser is drowned or deposited into the paranormal realm, whatever that means. Those near the creature feel terrified and panicked, but these emotions dissolve once it's out of sight. What the heck is that, dude? What's a Kelpie? I don't know. How, uh, here's my question. How does somebody have one of these experiences and they remember that much detail about it? 
I don't know, but apparently that's what the thing looks like. Yeah, I was looking at that earlier when we were on that other page. Here's my question. How do they know if you go into the water, you get drowned? How do they know what the paranormal realm you, is? Did you, yeah. <laughs> do they come back? Guys, I don't know. We need answers, damn it. That's why we're going to have <laughs> That's why we're going to have to contact Kristen Puckett. Like I'm not trying to disprove anything. I'm just no, trying I just don't to know like what are the people who have had these I mean holy crap. And obviously there've been that's not just one person's 72 meth bender trip that they've had. They've had this experience like this has obviously been a variety of people who have had at least similar instances where they have been able to recall certain information and they have compiled into this Kelpie. Like it's a pretty detailed explanation yeah. of what the thing looks like for not, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I know exactly I what you remember saying. what I wore we're, yesterday. We're, like how, how could somebody have that kind of a detailed explanation of something? We're going to have to get up with Kristen Puck. She's going to have to come on. She's going to have to explain herself. Dang it. <laughs> Have you guys seen the picture of Nora? The or is this just like Morgantown Idola? Oh yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. Is this just like word of mouth stories that have been passed through generations and well, the way she describes in the book early on, that's a lot of what uh, what this is. It's a whole lot of oral tradition, it's a whole lot of legend, it's a whole lot of her interviewing the people, you know, locals around this area, a whole lot of research just into local legends, local folklore. But throughout this, what made it so interesting is she is placing one of these idolas like at the top of the hierarchy and then talking about all the weird stuff that happens in the general vicinity of where she thinks this thing has like power and control. That's why I thought was so interesting because it's a lot of what we talk about. Yeah. I mean, we talk about these these we talk about these hot spots. We talk about these places that are, you know, that the veil is thinner. And I mean, it's all of West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia. West Virginia is a different realm. It's a different dimension in itself. But yeah, this thing, this thing sounds like a super cool cryptid that somebody look up what what a Kelpie is. Somebody look you. that up. Gotcha. Gotcha, bro. Thanks, you should have done that like 10 minutes ago, Lance. I've heard it before. Isn't it Irish or Scottish? A-E-L-P-I-E. It sounds like something from the fairy world, fairy realm. Yeah. Seems like I've heard well, it's it It's an Australian dog. Any tag mythology with it? I, I don't think that's correct. Yeah. Shape-shifting spirit and having to... Locks in Irish and Scottish folklore. What's that? The Irish and Scottish folklore. Like a kelpie or a water kelpie. The shape shifting spirit inhabiting locks in Irish and Scottish folklore. It's usually described as a black horse like creature able to adopt human form. Some accounts state that the kelpie retains its hooves when appearing as a human, leading to the association with the Christian idea of Satan, as alluded by Robert Burns in the Address of the Devil. Almost every sizable body of water in Scotland has an associated Kelpie story, but the most extensive reported is that of Loch Ness. The Kelpie has counterparts across the world, such as the Germanic Nixie in the Weehwen of Central America 
in the Australian Bunyip. The original narratives about the creature are unclear, but the practical purposes of keeping children away from dangerous stretches of water and warning young women to be weary of handsome strangers has been noted in literature. Kelpies have been portrayed in various art forms in literature, including two 30-meter-high sculptures of Faldrick, the Kelpies, which was completed in October of 2013. Wow. Hmm. The Kelpie yeah, is the, here's here's and here's something interesting. The Kelpie is the most common water spirit in Scottish folklore, and has been named so in a variety of forms throughout history. Shape shifting makes well, sense. Well, it makes sense. Found Nessie. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense too. Like again, we talk about. Scots Irish tradition and culture and the roots running deep right around here. So they brought their beliefs, they brought their monsters over with them. Traditionally, Kelpies like, in their human forms are male. Hmm. Well, apparently, this male Kelpie looks like a frog gargoyle with hand ears. Here's, here's another interesting little thing. When a Kelpie is appearing in its equine persona without any tack, and tack would be like saddles and all those different things, it can be captured using a halter stamped with a sign of a cross, and its strength can be harnessed in tasks such as transporting heavy millstones. Huh. That's what a coincidence. I have like 30 heavy ass millstones out in my yard. I need moved. Can you live could right you by guys, a creek? And here's right another. Could you guys tell more me? and more interesting things. Just as with the cinematic werewolves, a Kelpie can be killed by being shot with a silver bullet. Huh. Hmm. Well, nobody wants to kill it. Plus, it vanishes into thin air or sends you to the paranormal realm. Have I told y'all about my idea or well, mine and Connor's idea to for our break glass in case of cryptids, monsters, or demons <laughs> no. box that we're going to have? Yeah. Holy water, want, crosses, <laughs> yeah, stakes. Both of, both of those. But also, I'm going to have some double knuckles, but instead of brass knuckles, I'm going to have silver knuckles and iron knuckles. There you go. Because silver takes care of all these shape-shifting cryptid monsters, but the iron takes care of all the fae. And then I'm going to engrave scripture, probably the prayer of St. Patrick. I want to engrave it across the knuckles, too, just for good measure. Just so... They know when they're getting the right hook, they're getting dropped in Jesus' name. Spell, spell Idola for me. E-I-D-O-L-A. By the way, the one in Huntington, West Virginia, is a clown. I know. That's why I didn't talk about that and one. And that's crazy. It's freaking scary. That is. I'm not even scared of clowns, but that that looks terrifying. Look, Hill folk, y'all going to have to get this book. It is so interesting, man. There's so much stuff in this book. Like, you know, I mean, 
like Ryan keeps referencing different idolas. There's one for Moundsville. There's one for Harper's Ferry. There's one for Charleston. There's one for Point Pleasant, obviously. There's one for Huntington. I mean, there's one for a bunch of different places all throughout. Again, I just picked Bluefield because it was the closest to us. But we could literally, we could literally do a hundred straight episodes, maybe more, just based on this book. Yeah. Um, on this one book alone, we could do a hundred plus episodes. Yeah. Like this is a resource. Look, Katie, Katie Lakomsky, if you're if you're still listening out there. This was the most magnificent gift, not discrediting any other gifts that we've received from all you awesome Hill folk. But this is such an awesome resource, man, because it's chalked full with not only stories, but pictures and descriptions and accounts. And it's crazy. It's awesome. All right. I got one more story from this Bluefield area. All right. So, in Mayhood Hall at Bluefield State College, a girl appears above those that are sleeping. Sounds kind of like a sleep paralysis. Haven't we had some guests talk about this a couple of times? We have. We have. A girl appears above those that are sleeping. This malicious demon takes the form of a six-year-old with black and bleeding eyes. She has no skin and three small horns protrude from her forehead. The entity drains years of life from those she floats above. Her evil presence can wake those she feeds on, as well as the warm blood that drips on their body, which disappears with her. When caught, she smiles an unsettling pointed tooth grin dissipating into the shadows. Is that not freaking the most terrifying description of anything you've ever heard? Yes. Just as you were saying that, I was picturing punching it in the face. Black and bleeding eyes, no yeah. skin, and three small horns protrude from her forehead. And she just hovers over you and drips blood onto you. And drains you of years of your life. So she's like an energy vampire. Yeah. But not a cool one like Colin from uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Colin Ferguson, he's the best. Not a cool one at all. That's terrifying. Yes. So that's just a few of the stories that that's that are in this book. I mean, there's several, several more. And again, I can't, I cannot say enough about this book. It's literally, well, that's all the sources cited, and like the works, the works cited pages are is like twenty pages. Yeah. So I mean, you can tell she did her homework. So my son, so my son actually used this book as one of his teachers gave him an assignment 
to uh, they had his teachers into all this. And uh, instead of a normal book report, he told them to pick their favorite ghost, goblin, or cryptid to do a book report on. So I handed Ashton the book and let him pick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just the just the different things that, like, you have A's, Bigfoot creatures, extraterrestrials, fey creatures, halflings, insects, arthropods, and arachnids, lakes, rivers, and ponds, mammalians, plants, reptiles, unclassifiable creatures, mysterious and wonderful objects, paranormal entities, and, I mean... It's just chalk full, dude. Just, just the Bigfoot creatures alone. You have Bigfoot. You have uh, the Apple Devils. You have hair feet, or no, fair feet, not hair feet. <laughs> <laughs> you have hair feet. That's fair feet. You have the Grafton Monster, which is a really cool story. Everybody knows the story of the Grafton Monster. I mean, you have the Stone Men. You have so many different just Bigfoot creatures that are listed. And they're all like you have the <laughs> you have the woodland crooner. That sounds like super cool. No, I'm telling you. There's so many different things. The Yahoo. There's got to be a wood booger in here somewhere, right? I don't know. That's the a yellow, Virginia thing. Yellow gape. Yeah, I, th I guess that is just a Virginia thing. I don't see wood booger. <laughs> Let me tell you this from experience, guys. You don't want to end up on antibiotics. You stay away from those yellow gapes. Yeah, really. But you know what's really <laughs> cool in the extraterrestrial life part? Aerial manta rays. That goes right along with Justin and yeah, those Justin, guys, Justin and Jay from Cryptids of the Corn and their whole organic UFO stuff. Yeah, it's just fun, like guys. She literally, she literally covers everything. And not only does she talk about like aerial manta rays, but oh crap! But like in the pictures that she has drawn out, Jeez. it's exactly what Justin and Jay described. Yeah, I mean it's I don't know. This book is amazing. It really is amazing. The Grinning Men, Flatwoods Monster. That's another famous one, Flatwoods Monster. Pucks, Grave Pucks. I don't know, this book is full. It's literally full, y'all. I just, I, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of these different creatures and these different cryptids, you know, read a lot about these because, number one, you know, this is our area. I mean, we might as well. We might as well be in West Virginia. It's a lot of the same things. But I really just, I, I caught on like this, these Idola entities, this idea behind those. 
it really just captured my attention because it falls so much in line with a lot of the things that we talk about. You know, we're always talking about finding the the central figures and what's kind of pulling the strings of all the weird that's going on. You know, and on my end anyway, I believe a lot of this stuff is spiritual and a lot of this stuff, you know, is is laid out like in a hierarchy. It's pretty much exactly what this is saying, what she's talking about through her research and all her. I don't know. I also found, you know, our boy Chris Simmerly was on here talking about seeing those static people in that cemetery. She's got them in here. Static men. Like anything that you could think of. Like my wife's uncle, Abaguchi, Abaguchi's in here. I never heard that from anywhere else in the world except from him. Yeah. I don't know. It's a really, really awesome book, though. It's an awesome book that we're probably going to use many, many times in the future. I don't know. What are, your boys thoughts me, on, what are your boys' thoughts on Bluefield? We making any adventures up around the airport anytime soon? Uh, I think it's just best to avoid that area altogether. <laughs> Not even because of the cryptids. <laughs> I'd rather hang out with the cryptids. Just because it's Bluefield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, is there anything new that we need to talk about? Anything new going on or anything? I don't think so, is there? No. Uh, no, it's just life, man. Lance, did. anything new? No, I don't think so. I know I saw the other day the Peruvian aliens are popping back up. Huh. Well, that's because Alberino is down there doing like a full-on investigation with security and <laughs> like he's went down there and went he's going hardcore interrogation mode I'm sure he'll be on Blurry Creatures here in the next few days to give the whole rundown he's like Blurry Creatures field correspondent straight from Peru <laughs> sending it over to you Tim I did get to meet we talked a little bit about it pre-recording but I did get to meet the guy in the chair our good buddy J.W. Salyers who made an appearance on the podcast and was our initial contact in this whole swift silver hunt Uh, so it was really cool to, to meet him in person and get to talk to him a little bit about you know, what was going on. And I'll let him know how integral he was in this whole story, man. And how, you know, we've had the opportunity to go on some really huge, awesome podcasts because of a conversation that he had with Lance. 
And he's still in it, dude. He's still just uh, as in it. Like I think day. he was ready to go every right day. Then. If you just said AJ Davis could look right now, he would have dropped everything. He went right <laughs> in. You know, it is getting that time of year, guys. I'm still seeing snakes dying on the road, though. So this weather is unusually warm. Well, you guys know I went on a little expedition the other day. I won't talk too much about that because I think I'm really, really close. I think we are really, really close. I knew it, Lance. Me and you, buddy. We're cutting him out. Yeah, it's already started. It's It's already started. You let him go dig around in that cave somewhere. Man, he's headed straight for our spot. That's (laughs) (laughs) hey, Justin. I think it's over there behind that tree. Yeah, (laughs) take a look over that high wall and see if it's down there. (laughs) Hey, speaking of that, speaking of that, boys, I almost, I almost bid it, bid it. I started down the mountain and I was a little off with my central navigation unit here in my meat computer. I thought I was somewhere different. There's a big gigantic cliff line that runs around and I thought I was already below it. So I was trying to get to a certain spot. So I was just booking it down the mountain. I'm talking like snowboarding on the leaves without the snowboard, leaf boarding, leaf feeding. I was leaf foot, a leaf footing. And I got to right to the top. I mean, I was booking it and got to the top of this flipping cliff face. And if there hadn't, if there hadn't have been a little bitty laurel thicket right at the top that I grabbed onto and stopped myself. I might would have um, had a few injuries to speak about. Oh about bit. Well, let but your yeah. excitement get the better of you. Well, I did. I did. I had to calm down after that. And then... I've done so much hiking and so much walking, and and I did find a couple caves, but they weren't the ones I was looking for. But I don't know. I'm not going to share too much publicly. We're getting yeah. close. Okay, we're getting really close. I have both metal detectors in my car. I've been waiting. Well, the thing about let's go. The thing about this cave that I'm looking for, it's not the point of, I didn't have the people with me that I should have that could take me right to the cave. But there are people that I know that we have, that we're in contact with that can take me right to it. That's not the issue. The issue is Will we be willing to go in the way we need to go in and get to where we need to get to once we get to the cave? Like, are we willing to do the intense amount of caving that's going to have to be done? I mean, I don't know. I guess I have to watch some YouTube videos and figure out how to be safe doing it. (laughs) 
We just we, we watch the YouTube videos as we're doing it. That's, that's yeah, there we go. Yeah. The yeah. We may not have seen well, one in the cave. I went in one cave and I, I had a rope with a what they call them a carabiner or whatever, the little clips. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a couple guys with me that I work with and I clipped that carabiner to my back belt loop and I handed them the rope. <laughs> I'm going in. If it goes slack, just start pulling. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made it about five feet before I couldn't go anymore. <laughs> Pull me out. <laughs> I was shedding clothes like I was trying to get as skinny as possible. It was it was ridiculous. That's another thing. I haven't been to the gym since I moved back up here. So there's tight spaces. We might have to bring kids with us. Not our yeah. kids. We'll just find some. Bring kids. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I know everything says don't talk to strangers, but just hear me out for a second. <laughs> I'm not even trying to give you candy. <laughs> I'm promising you riches. <laughs> <laughs> Just get in this van with me, and we're going to the top of this mountain. <laughs> Everything just will be okay, in, I promise. Just hop in the Telluride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've never heard of anybody getting kidnapped in a Telluride? Come on, it's a Kia. <laughs> we want to see you in the Kia. <laughs> <laughs> it's the friendliest of Korean vehicles. But... <laughs> It's all Hyundai. Everything's Hyundai. (laughs) All right, boys. Any final thoughts? Just so good to be with you two boys on here. And my computer didn't shut off. Made it through an episode. I've loved I love you guys and I've missed you guys. Love you, miss you, buddy. It's been good. It's been too long for just us three chopping it up. Yeah. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get going on that uh what we're talking about. Yeah, there's, man. There's a certain uh I don't know what you'd really call them, scientist, I guess. It's an ologist, but so study of. But uh there's a famous foreign ologist. That came over, confirmed this crap. It's all in the paper, and then it just disappears. Like, what? Of course it does. Like, I've never even does. heard of it. Like, a guy at work. Sony got a hold of it. That's exactly what the guy at work said. That's <laughs> exactly what the guy who told me about this, he's like, you ever heard about Bloody Blonde? I'm like, uh, no. I think we would have done an episode on that by now. Had I known that, and he's like, he goes into it, and then he's like, "Yeah, I think it's Smithsonian covering it up. If they can't have it, nobody can." I was like, "Holy shit!" And this is a sensible, this is a no nonsense guy. You just have to meet him. I'm not yeah. gonna say his name on here because I don't know if he's comfortable. And he listens to podcasts, and he says he's gonna check us out. So I want, I don't want to say his name, and he'd be like, "Hey, don't do that shit," because he's a, he's like. A no nonsense type of dude, just 
great to talk to, great to work with, but that's just who he is. You know, for him to say things yeah. like that, he was blowing my mind. I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. I Ooh, think when you up. get that one underway, and if Lance ever comes across all the documents that he said in the entire, um, all the stuff that he got me super excited with, that I almost had a phantasm. And then he just. His face says he has no idea what you're talking about. Oh, documents Stargates to be like, in Dixon uh-oh. County. Stargates, Star Forts, all this stuff. Oh, that, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You led me yeah. on with and got me so, you got me right <laughs> to the point of phantasm. And then you just, it just disappeared. It just yeah. went away. Whatever. has blue balls. Yeah. His blue ghost balls. I'm phantasmless. <laughs> I am not climaxing like this lady in white we read about. Yeah, there's been. no climax. There's no climax to death for me. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. It's eleven eleven. Oh yeah, it is. Well, you know what that means, Hill folk. You know where you can find us. Check us out on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube. Old stuff's on YouTube. New video stuff is going up on Patreon at some point, whenever I get around to doing it. Um, You can send us your stories, comments, whatever you want to send us in message form. Uh, Interview requests, whatever, at AppalachianIntelligence at gmail.com. You can support us a bunch of different ways. You can support us financially, of course, over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Appalachian underscore intelligence. You can also click the support the show link that's in the show notes. Make a one-time donation. It helps me uh, go out on these little expeditions and adventures and almost fall off cliff faces and get stuck in caves. Um but the most important way that you can support us is by sharing the show. Share it with whoever you want to share it with, however you're most comfortable sharing it. It's the only way that the show grows. Um, You can... I think that's about it. I don't know what else I was... Oh, yeah. We always forget about this. You can send us some cool stuff. Whatever you want to send us. Yeah. At You can send that to... P.O. Box 855, Hayside, Virginia, 24256. Send us whatever cool stuff you want to send, artwork, drawings, letters, books, research material that you want us to check out. Whatever you come across you want to send our way, you can do it in hard copy form at that P.O. Box. Just please don't send us any Haunted items. I don't want nothing to do with any of that stuff. I'll send it. We like covering it and talking about it, not having it in our possession. <laughs> but yeah, you can check out all that stuff. You can find us all those places. You can send all that that way. Fellas, we are almost two years into this thing. 
It'll be yeah. two years in a couple weeks. Yeah. We started in November, crazy. right? Almost 100 episodes deep. Dang. Pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. Yeah. Whoever thought that this would get to the point that we're at. Uh, not me. No, I didn't either. <laughs> nope. I thought it would still be me and you in the camper studio, yucking it up. Tell me, about, dude, we're going to blow up one day. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're still saying that. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't care if we do or not. I just, I no. love our fan base. I love you guys. I love doing this. If it ever turns into a chore, it's not going to be fun anymore. But well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. I was going so hard for such a length of time, and then there was so much going on, like you know, with you know, just in my personal life, that it started feeling like a job. And when it yeah. got to that, I was like, nope, uh, uh-uh. that I'm we're, we're taking a step back. I'm recalibrating here. I'm refocusing on what this is about. It's about talking to you boys. It's about talking to really cool people with cool experiences that have done cool research, you know, experts, quote, unquote, people that have put in the 10,000 hours on whatever the topics are. It's about the conversations and it's about the community. Yeah. It's not about, I I don't care if this is ever our full-time job. Would that be awesome? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. But it started feeling like a full-time job when it when it's not, when it wasn't. Yeah. So at that point, that's when I was like, no, we got I, I gotta get back to doing this for the right reasons. So that's when that post come out. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm just going to be totally transparent with all you, with you boys and all you ill folk. That's when I made that post saying, look, we're family men first. We're going to be a little more inconsistent, a little sporadic because there was so much going on. But every single second of every day, I was thinking, holy crap, I've got to have an episode ready to go by Monday. I have to have an episode ready to go by Monday. I've got to make this schedule work for this day. And that's when it starts feeling like a job is when you're when when you start stressing over it. Then it gets to that point of it's not fun anymore. And that's the reason we started this. That's the reason we continue this is because it's fun. Because it's a lot of fun. So. We're not going to take ourselves too seriously. And we hope that y'all don't take us too seriously. Because, again, at the end of every day, we are three knuckleheads that like to joke and cut up and have a good time and look into all this weird stuff and have fun with it while we're trying to figure it out. That's it. It's all about fun, conversation, and community. And I think we have all three of those. Yep. Boys, I love you. Love you. Lurkins mean it. Hill folk, we love you. And until next time, we'll see y'all later. Mm-hmm.